it's going to be a very learning season. At the end of the day, yes, we do have a new landscape we, we can work with. Um, but again, we've got to think about wind. We've got to think about where there was tree protection. We don't have that now. So there's a lot of things that we're going to have to work through and learn as we go. Sierra at Tahoe's John Rice is looking ahead to the resort's first full season of operation since the Caldor fire blazed through 16 months ago, charring more than 80% of Sierra's footprint, leaving melted infrastructure, thousands of damaged trees, and an inoperable resort littered with new hazards and new opportunities. On this episode of Pod Sam, Sam publisher Olivia Rowan and senior editor Katie Britton sat down with John to reflect on the remediation and reopening process. While the work is far from done, Sarah at Tahoe's recovery efforts offer valuable lessons in environmental and social resilience. When we first did post-fire kind of surveying the landscape and looked at what had happened and what was affected, we, uh, we realized that we had a pretty big project ahead of us and the question was whether it was even doable. We worked with the Forest Service uh, early on to talk about how we might approach this. Each year we are allowed to take hazard trees down as most resorts are that might affect buildings lifts um, if they're obviously affected or you know the tree's dying or it's leaning, that kind of thing. And so with that, the Forest Service actually has a hazard tree policy. The policy, if you read it, talks about, because obviously trees fall in the forest, that's, it happens everywhere, that they like to see a hundred, they like to see a buffer of one and a half times the height of the tree. When they look at a hazard tree, they look at, you know, 360 degrees around 150, excuse me, 150 happens to be what we used because the average height of our trees was hundred feet. Some were taller, some are shorter. So we went with a 150 foot sort of uh, looking at either side. We started with the lifts. Early on, we had trees falling, hazard trees were falling on our chairs, causing continual damage. And so we were able to uh, get approval to remove those trees, to just take them down. And so we went first up the lift lines, lift corridors. That was our first priority and 150 feet from the lift corridors took all the trees down on either side. The next piece was to look at the trails. We did NEPA work with snow engineering and came up with a plan, a remediation plan that called for a 150 foot border, a buffer zone, whatever you wanna call it around the trails. And the idea there was that if those buffers intersected with each other, essentially you would be clear cutting that area. So in the West Bowl area, for example, a lot of the trails, if you bring 150 foot off the trail, 150 foot off the next trail, it's it's a clear cut. So in the West Bowl, uh, which is about a third of our real estate, that's pretty much a clear cut there. I think there's a dozen trees left down there. Anything that was green, we left. Um, some of those trees, are throwing mortality signs now, whether they were affected by the fire or just you know unhealthy trees. Um, there's a phase two that we're gonna, we finished phase one. Phase one was a, a phenomenal job that what you saw on our website, that little video sort of encapsulated in a few minutes. There's gonna be a longer version of that video that talks about the process. 
but um, with respect to phase one, about 18,000 trees, I think, was the count that needed to be taken down. I don't know what the final number is, uh, but that's a pretty big undertaking, especially in a mountainous region with chairlifts and buildings at risk. When a forestry group goes in and they do this kind of work post-fire, they're typically not worrying about roads that could cause problems with ski trails. They're typically not worrying about trees that could hit chairlifts, that kind of stuff. So the uh, they had some real challenges, not to mention the fact that there's a lot of rock here. There's places where they couldn't get roads in. And there's also a lot of steep terrain that's steeper than their vehicles. And the vehicles today for logging are, are much more advanced perhaps than they were 20 years ago. But they still, when you get on 50 degree slopes, uh, they're they're not able to position and do the work they need to do. Did um, you have a lot of specialty equipment then that had to be brought in to make did. that happen? We did. The, the contractor that did this work, Atlas Tree Surgery, uh, they were the bidder that won the bid. Um, the work was done through a third party nonprofit called the Resource Conservation District. The Resource Conservation District was able to take funding from the federal government, from us, from private donations, and they were on point to run this entire project. We attended their morning safety meetings to coordinate where our people were going to be and where our lift maintenance folks were going to be. So we didn't have any kind of problems with that because sometimes they had to close roads or they had logs laying across trees or, or uh, across the trails. But that group, so we had really good communication with them, and it was pretty much an ongoing process. They brought in equipment that is the latest, greatest stuff. I mean, these are million-dollar machines that the Allbach, for example, is a machine that can cut a tree. They showed us a 40-inch diameter tree that they cut. It picks the tree up, drops it on their little conveyor belt, and turns it into wood chips all in one. Uh, pretty impressive. We had at one point we had three of those here. We had um, chippers the size of uh, you know eighteen wheeler trucks that were on the mountain just shooting wood chips everywhere. We had um, also helicopters for anything over fifty degree slope. Helicopters came in. They had chokers on the ground, so they the Sawyers went in and cut, dropped the timber. Then they came in after with their. Uh, on the steeper stuff and actually flew it to other log decks where they could then process it. There's approximately 50 logging trucks a day heading down to a uh, makeshift mill that was put up down in um, Carson City. And most of the mills in California did not need timber because the last few years of fires, most of the mills were like, we're, we're good. We, we don't have a place to put it. Um, there was some folks in Carson City who looked at some land that was owned by a Native American Indian tribe called the Washoe. They had some land. They said uh, they contracted with a group to come in and, and actually dig a well and build an entire mill. And it's pretty impressive when you drive down Highway 50, you can see what 18,000 trees look like when they're all stacked and ready. So whole new infrastructure had to be created to to undertake this project. Yeah, and you know, it's a, there's cool stories through this whole thing. One of the stories is this land was just sitting there, um, you know, for that tribe to be able to put 30 or 40 people to work 
and to be able to find a revenue source was awesome for them. And so that was a good story as well for the Forest Service that this uh, wood could be repurposed into a place where it could be then uh, used. Now, a lot of our timber was red fir. Red fir is not the at the top of the list of what's in demand for wood. So what we had to do is we had to find a um, you know a source. I know for siding, it's in the East Coast. It, apparently, it's in demand. Um, it's in demand for split rail fencing. It's in demand for it's not a hardwood that you're going to see made furniture out of. So right. there was, you know, limited places we could take it, but that really worked really well. And I think it became a uh, Forest Service is very proud of how they were able to repurpose the timber and make sure it gets used for good things. We also kept a little bit of it and we're making some tables and we're making name tags for our employees that have been here prior years. And so we're, we're trying to repurpose as much of the wood as we can here it wasn't just all non-usable and had to be all no, chipped. No, um, the slash was all chipped. So when you drop a tree and you've got all the branches and, and the pieces that aren't usable, all that, the call they call it, call wood, there's a percentage of when they look at 100% and they say, you know, 70% is good, it can be merchantable timber, and 30% is call. And that call would be just chipped on site. So, um, John, did I see 15 million? Uh, board feet of timber is what came out of this? That's probably good. Uh, there's a final <laughs> report that's going to be done actually tomorrow. Oh, nice. We're waiting to see, uh, to kind of know what those numbers actually came out. Uh, so that was, uh, yeah, that was an estimate of okay. 15 to 20 million board feet is what I heard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to fathom yeah. that amount, right, in yeah. the sort of abstract sense. But I think one of the things that's really interesting to me, John, is the the community aspect of that, right? So in order to undertake all of this remediation work, you you know, you had a lot of partners at USFS and um, the other nonprofit that you worked with, and you had to find someone to process the wood and find people to take it. And you guys are keeping some of the wood and creating mementos for the resort from okay. this traumatic experience and I guess I'm you know curious what what has been the impact on Sierra's community this Sierra's where a lot of people learn how to ski and they if they've gone on to other resorts and bought passes excuse me they still have a love affair with our mountain we've been heavily invested in our community for 30 years helping you know schools little league teams swim meets you you mentioned it we're there to support all aspects of our community, the arts, uh, youth recreation, education. So uh, when we were down, a lot of people were cheering for us and still are. There's uh, a lot of what's interesting we're finding. I went to orientation the other day and I saw employees that haven't been with us for five, 10 years that are coming back. And when I talk to them, they're saying, I want to be part of bringing this place back. And, you know, that warms my heart and tells me that the seeds that we sowed years ago are starting to to bear fruit now and you know whether they they stay on or just help us get back on our feet pretty awesome um an outreach from not only from our local community but the ski industry in california particularly mammoth uh stepped up and said what do you need we've got whatever you need a week later a, a flatbed truck came up with full of parts and you know lift towers and just things we needed old snowmobiles they gave us whatever um 
Palisades sent a crew down with 16 people and stayed for a week and said, give us one of your lifts. We want to fix it. So we gave them a lift and they said, we're in charge. Give us some employees, give us some help, but we're going to get this done. And it was kind of cool because four of their employees used to work for us. And, and we had a, you know, we bought them all sweatshirts and we had a nice lunch together. And Was that over the summer, John? That was over the summer. Yeah. 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 And, you know, essentially they just got it, got in their trucks and drove down. I, I was trying to add it up. 16 people, their wages for a week, week and a half, really. Um, their gas just driving down their time, everything, the equipment didn't ask for a penny wow. Didn't ask for a contract just said, what do you need? We're here. Wow. And boy, that warmed our heart and it gave our team, our, our maintenance team is strong. We've got a great team, but it just lifted their spirits in a big way too. And, you know, when I asked Jimmy King, who was their uh, lift maintenance director, and I, I knew him from when I worked there back in the day and they said, why are you doing this? And can we pay you? He said, no. So I said, why are you doing this? And he said, would you do this for us if we were down? I said, are you kidding? We'd be there in five minutes. He goes, mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Don't ask again. And Johnny- went all the way to D. Byrne, their, their GM, who said, help them, whatever they need, go, just help them. And you were talking about staff, some staff, you know, maybe even coming back from, from the seeds you sown, you know, with that relationship. How... How are you back to full? St- I know you had to lose a lot of staff because they had to go. Yeah, to- no, yeah. We're, down, we're down about 40%. Staff. 40%. So, um, I mean, we're we're going to open this weekend. And essentially every employee here, doesn't matter what you got hired into, you are, you're here to serve. And if, if you're going to be on a register or parking cars in the morning, including me, uh, everyone's been told, forget about your job title because it's going to be all hands serving I think once we get going, I think momentum will start. There's some housing available in South Lake, which is good. North Shore has a little bit of a housing shortage. We've got some freed up. A lot of the VRBOs are starting to go back in the rental market. So we've got some capacity in housing. We've got some J1s coming in. But we're we're significantly down in staffing. A lot of employees that, that left because we were closed last year, and we were happily offering them to other resorts. A lot of them were given pretty good jobs and benefits. Um, one of the kid came in the other day and he was, you know, looking at me and he said, Mr. Rice, I, I, I just want to tell you, I just got a job as assistant patrol director across the lake. And, and he was just a, a, a patroller. And I shook his hand and said, man, I'm so proud of you. That's great. And he goes, I'm going to miss Sierra, but I, this is an unbelievable opportunity. And I said, you know what? I'm happy for you. Same thing happened. We lost a few ski school folks to uh, neighboring resorts and, they got management jobs. So I can't feel bad about that. I, I can only celebrate that their careers got better as a result. But a lot of the seasonal folks, uh, you probably know that, you know, Vail Resorts went out with a $20 wage and that we were at 15 and that was a a tough challenge for us to try to figure out how we compete with that. And so we we lost a lot of people to that as well. But we're optimistic once we get some momentum that people will start to come. A lot of the other resorts aren't hiring anymore and we still are. So people mm-hmm. that come in after the snow, we're going to, we're, we're going to hopefully uh, get those numbers back. So. Right. Well, fingers crossed for you guys there. It'd be good to, to be able to operate at. And the thing I have to say, some people have come to us from other resorts and they're, they want to be part of our culture and they've heard about it and they're not happy with their, where they were, they weren't feeling like 
we weren't feeling the love that they were appreciated. And uh, we're stoked at the quality of people that have come. I, I, I always ask the question in our supervisor management training, who's worked at another ski area and about a bunch of hands went up and I, and I ask them where, and then I say, so why, why did you come to Sierra? And almost across the board, they say, I want to be part of the rebirth of this resort. I've heard so much about it. Um, everything I heard is true. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the right place in my career and I want to grow and saying all the right things. So um, stoked at the quality that's joined us and wants to be part of this rebirth too. We'll return to the conversation after a message from our partner, Piston Bully. For over 50 years, Piston Bully has set the standard for snow groomers while continuing to redefine what is possible on slopes and in terrain parks around the world. Piston Bully designs and manufactures snowcats that efficiently provide the best snow surfaces possible for your guests. From the versatile 100 to the powerful and clean 600E+, there's a Piston Bully solution for your resort no matter the size. In addition to snow groomers, Piston Bully's Snowsat offers holistic solutions to successfully take your mountain operations digital. Seamlessly linking hardware and software systems across your resort, the Snowsat suite of programs helps with everything from fleet maintenance to snow depth management. To learn more about what Piston Bully can do for your ski area, visit www.pistonbully.com or follow Piston Bully World on Instagram. One of the things I want to ask you, John, is that, you know, the there were obvious impacts from the fire, right? Damaged yeah. equipment, and right. hazard trees, and then there are the, you know, there's business interruption, and from there you start to trickle out to these less obvious impacts, like trying to get your staff back, mm-hmm. right? You want to support them when you're down, but now that you're back open, you've got this staffing gap, and I'm curious about maybe what are some of the other um, consequences of the fire that you really couldn't have anticipated? Um, The mistake I made, and I've said this before, was thinking that we made, thinking that we could put all of our equipment in our upper shop, which was our B building, the brick building that wasn't supposed to burn. Um, Six offices there that were displaced, all their personal stuff, their pictures of their kids and their skis and all gone all the mechanics tools, all of our snowmobiles, snowcats, everything that repairs the snow gone, all the parts, all the, you know, the, the bin that has all the nuts and bolts I and mean, everything just completely roasted. So yeah. that has caused reverberating effects in terms of, we do now have a, a temporary shop facility, which is a tent we got from Grand Targhee. It's way smaller. It's, cold wind blows through the holes in it uh it's not what they had they don't have offices anymore they don't have a break room we replaced all their tools but the tools are now in a connex building instead of in their shop so they have to go into a roll the door and go to the connex to get the tool to come into the tent uh it's not a warm cozy place it's uh there's not room for parking equipment in there it's it's we're going to have to learn and adapt to that and these Mechanics made it through the summer and winter with working. It used to be called the upper shop. Now we call it the outer shop. Mm-hmm. So um, the resilience of these guys to hang on. And I will tell you that if you're a mechanic right now in this town, you can get a job anywhere. Right. You get Man. fired and five minutes later, you've got another job across the street. So mechanics are in big demand, not just with 
auto shops, but with Caltrans is looking for mechanics, CHP is looking for mechanics with benefits and a lot more money than we pay. But our mechanics have all stayed with us through this. So I have to give kudos to them for not jumping ship, uh, despite the fact they didn't have a shop. The other things, it's like all the equipment we used to park around the shop. We're building a new shop. We have um, good plans for the new, it's gonna be the Taj Mahal. It'll be the nicest shop in the ski industry when it's done, but they had to halt construction because of the snow. And that happened last week and they're not gonna be able to pick it up again until spring. So we'll probably not occupy that till August of next year. So I have to keep our mechanics happy and warm and being productive in a makeshift building. Um, all the crews that were in there, the train park crew, the grooming crew, the road crew, uh, you know, the welding bay, all that has to be displaced. We've got a number of portable structures now that they're working out of. They're functional, but it's it, it's a it's like a trailer village now. And, right. you know, it doesn't yeah. look like we want. It's not what we want. Yeah, I mean, those kind of effects just reverberate out, so. Are you bringing in like different heating sources? And I mean, I would imagine that utilities are all over the place. Yeah, so the, the entire infrastructure of the power and phones burned to the ground all the way down the canyon. So they did restore, PG&E restored power. They're under a lot of pressure because they're getting blamed for all the fires in the West. And we had to work with their crews. They actually staged in our parking lot to do power restoration down Canyon. They had helicopters here. They brought in all their transformers and poles, laid them all out in the parking lot and brought power back up through the Canyon. We were sort of the, at the end of the feed. Um, they reestablished, if you will, a little substation. And then we've had to then bring the power into the resort and start to do our power distribution. So we're still working through that. There's um, there's a lot there that is still needing to be done. So there's temporary stuff, I guess is the best I could say. When this shop is done, it'll have everything. It'll have a new generator, it'll have all that good stuff. But for now, it's been put on hold and it, it will stay half built. Who's building it? You have schematics already on it? Yes, we do. We have um, we have a group in town, Hain Engineering. They've been they've been doing work here for about fifty years. And actually, uh, the dad who sort of trained his son used to be one of our ski patrollers. So, nice. um, we're, one thing we're, I found in this entire restoration effort, everybody we've touched has a relationship with this resort. Yeah. Um, the RCD when we were interviewing people to who are you going to work with to manage the tree remediation? I meet the guy and great guy. And I said, do you know Sierra at all? And he goes, yeah, of course I learned how to ski here. He goes, my son's worked for you in lifts for three years. So oh, I, nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> the foresters that have come up, the, the, they tell you, this is where I learned to ski. I love this place. My family comes here. I, I can't wait to get this open. Um, we had a lot of, they hired a lot of subcontractors, a lot of Sawyers out of Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, uh, that didn't have a relationship with us, but boy, they're like old cowboys of the West. These guys dragging their chainsaws and, and the work they do. And, um, but they all have a story and now they feel part of Sierra. We, at the end of the tree remediation, we gave them all car hearts. Reminds me of the cut, the cutters <laughs> camp uh, jacket oh, that I still great. love and I still wear, but <laughs> I got awesome. my office, but you know, we gave them a nice car heart, uh, with a you know with the nice. logos on it and stuff that's oh, great and so everyone great. got one everyone feels like they're part of sierra yeah. and um 
But again, and, it's just mind blowing how many people had a relationship with us. So they they were here for the right reasons. It wasn't just a job. A lot of the contractors working on the shop. This is their home resort. Yes. A couple of questions on you know you um, one would be is are you starting any reforestation? It would be one, okay. and the second would be, you know. You had mentioned it on our brief call last week is, is you know, in talking about kind of the the shifts that the staff have to go through, you know, and looking at just getting um, your terrain open when it's completely different terrain and, and some new surprise prizes you're coming across in how to manage the new terrain. Yeah. So um, the reveg work is actually going to start next year. They made a decision to not try to reveg this year, rather work on erosion control do their BMPs for the Forest Service contract. So a lot of chipping, a lot of wood chips on disturbed dirt. They put the roads that they had, temporary roads that they built back, um, did a lot of uh, water bar work for us. Throughout the whole remediation, they were uh, trying to keep the dust down by you know putting water on the road. So the plan is next spring, they come in with the next phase erosion control um, revegetation. There's 8,000 seedlings that are already put aside of uh, different types of trees of red firs and, and sugar pines and others that we will then plant and uh, have a very um, solid plan. In fact, I think Snowy might be working with them on that revegetation. And John, are you guys driving that or is that USFS or? It's, it's all the resource? resource conservation district, the RCD. Yeah. Okay. And that's what they do. They go in after a fire or a flood and they put the earth back in a good place. And being that we're a ski resort, again, there's new challenges, but uh, we're working with people who ski here and love it. So they yeah. they know what we need to do. And, you know, we're looking at adopt a tree things and we're looking at having days where our pass holders can plant a tree and all kinds of different programs. Uh, they reached out for a lot of funds. They called, you know, Facebook and Intel and all these big companies and didn't seem like anyone wanted to donate to cutting trees, but they feel that they're going to be able to reach out and get a lot of donors to help with the reforestation, that that's something that people would feel good about. So, And is that reveg work being done with sort of fire resiliency in mind? Or are you guys oh, like looking ahead to the next oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. fire? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I mean, there's not much left to burn here, frankly. Uh, there are gladed areas that will be closed this winter. We're working on our new trail map. I think it's it's probably 99% done, but we're going to have gladed areas that used to be skiable that will be closed for the entire winter. And we're going to have to put our signs up and hope people you know, are good about understanding the risks. The first year, they say trees after a fire pretty are pretty strong. They withstand wind and everything. But as time goes on, they start to then fall. So we want to make sure that we, um, you know, we warn people to stay out of those areas and and not put themselves at risk or our patrollers at risk having to go find them. We will have some gladed areas that will be open, but um, there will be some that will not be. And I'll, I'll send you guys a copy of that trail map as well so you can see how we're treating that. But this yeah, is all new territory. No one's ever dealt with this before. So. Subscribers can view Sierra's new and old trail maps side by side in the article New Growth in the January issue of SAM magazine. It's, it, but it's fascinating. I mean, to Liv's question, 
um, you know, you're, you're basically, you're opening a, a new mountain in some ways, right? You have yeah, a new trail a, map and right, different right. hazard concerns and safety concerns. And, you know, are you deploying staff differently? Are you Your worried West about- Your West Bowl is a bowl now. With yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a new, it's a new canvas. And frankly, this is going to be a learning season. I mean, we haven't figured it all out. You can sit here in the summer all day long and go, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Put a new trail there. It's going to be the first storm came in and our storms typically come out of the Southwest. Okay. So a lot of the winds that came scoured a lot of that snow and pushed it all to the East side. A couple of weeks later, we got East wind kind of pushed it all back. <laughs> it's just like, um, we're going to take tips from resorts that are above tree line where we've already been to mammoth a couple of times, looking at what kind of snow fences they use to catch snow. And we're going to be, doing a lot of farming and grooming, and it's all going to be learning. There's this, this storm that's coming in tomorrow night. They're talking about it being a blizzard with 40 mile an hour winds. So it's not going to drop straight down and we'll go out and groom it. It's going to be blowing all over the place. So we're going to, we're going to be out there track packing. Uh, it's going to be a very learning season. At the end of the day, yes, we do have a new landscape we, we can work with. Um, but again, we've got to think about wind. We've got to think about where there was tree protection. We don't have that now. So there's a lot of things that we're going to have to work through and learn as we go. So, so there, there's sort of like the customer service elements, right? With the, the wind and like, I would imagine your lift rides might feel different when it's a windy day in some yeah. areas potentially. Yeah. Um, we've known, we've been known for wind protection forever. And now that's a new thing we have to deal with on the West, on the West side. Anyway, there's still a lot of trees on the East side, but on the west side, it's going to be a, a different ball game, and we're just going to have to learn as we go. It does it give us opportunity. Our train park crews are drooling over the new landscape opportunities, and you know, frankly, people love uh, sculpted terrain. So we're going to do a lot of fun stuff there, and and we'll um, we'll continue to get creative and 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 you know, just have fun with the new landscape and listen to our guests. They're going to tell us what works and what doesn't uh, for racing. There's we can put race lanes everywhere for, for example, and we're all the high schools all race here and train here. And so that bring the world up. cup there, John sounds like well, we do have a homologated rundown clipper so that, you know, you never know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome. it could, it could open up new possibilities for competition. Also, um, as you look at the landscape, you see that for teaching, you don't have the compression areas where people are going to come together and pinch points. It's wide open. So that, that's a new thing to ski instructors always looking behind, you know, on trails if they're going to get run into. Now there's lots of uh, terrain for that. So Space for the snakes of these yes. school kids. Exactly. <laughs> I know when we talked this time a year ago, you know, you were you were still looking at this two sided coin of things are going to be really different. We don't know exactly what the hazards mm -hmm. are going to be, but we also know there are going to be opportunities. And, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned a bunch of possibilities that your staff was working together to sort of brainstorm and and think big mm -hmm. and I guess I was curious about you know what's you said you're going to be listening to guests and getting that feedback and assessing right. a lot this year yeah. and you know what's what are you looking forward to what's on the agenda what are you hopeful about well we have all of our energy has been in remediation this year yeah. uh, we did have some sessions where we just threw a bunch of ideas against the wall and this could be this, this could be that. It might just be better. We've got all those ideas in the can. Essentially, what we're going to do this year is start to play some of those out where we can. 
we're, we're still in, like I said, we're still in remediation. We've got to get open, get some momentum, start to learn uh, what kind of snow deposition we're going to get and how the wind's going to affect that. And then start to play some of those ideas out and then look to the future in the next three to five years where, where can we really open up some new stuff? I, I, we're not going to open the door with 10 new things. It's basically, we did 10 years of lift maintenance in one summer. Uh, the tree work was phenomenal. It would be two to three years normally all crammed in you know six months. Um, so I, I think the determination of this team is strong. The creativity is there. The, um, the willingness of our guests to be patient with us as we work through this, I believe is there. And we're going to involve them and we're going to involve our staff and work with consultants and come up with some ideas of how we just take this to the next level because it's different. And we can't go back. I've wished and wished and wished it could go back and the fire never happened. And it doesn't work that way. It's all about adapting to the new landscape and, and we'll play out some of those ideas and see what has legs and, and keep doing what we can to, to be creative. So. Do you have a, any couple of, of ideas that um, or partnerships or cool events or something that that um, you're excited about in this coming? Well, season? things like, you know, the, the industry reaches out. Vans, for example, we've been has the methodology competition. They came to us midsummer and said, we still want to have the final at Sierra and we're still with you. We, you know, can we can we host the final? Of course. Are you kidding? So those are the kind of things, Effective Edge, Mike Patera and his crew uh, working with us, looking at the landscape. What could we do here? What could we do there? Uh, we we submitted to the Forest Service a plan for a dirt half pipe, which we've never had. So um, there's lots of things like that where we're going to definitely keep moving forward. Um, like I said, we're not going to open the door with anything brand new except the new landscape, a lot of new terrain. Um, in between the trails, there's stumps and rocks. So we're going to have to wait till the conditions are right. So we're going to open the trails first and say, stay on the trails. And then once conditions permit, then we'll allow people to, to start to get off trail into the glades and, and have some fun. So, yeah. John, um, we, we've just come off talking a lot with Paul Towner about resiliency. And he was talking about the idea that, you know, you have a you have a challenge, catastrophic event like you did where you, um, you know, you go through it and then, and then you, and then you, you have a setback and you bounce back, but he's saying, you know, true resilience is having the setback and not just bounce back, but grow from it and change from it. So, you know, can you say anything to, you know, you know, I know that's the desire, like you just said, to just go back to the way it was, but clearly you can't. So how have you or your team grown from this? Is there any specific way where you see a positive silver lining in the, in the growth? The, you know, the yeah. Um, we, every time we get together as, as a management team, our senior directors, we talk about the future and anytime somebody starts creeping into the past, we just go, okay, that was long ago. What, what's this going to look like going forward? what are the opportunities this gives us in ski school? What are the opportunities this gives? We were the place to learn. How do we expand that to really own that now because of this new terrain opportunity? Um, train parks, we've always been known for creative stuff. What what can we do there? Um, working with, you know, snowcat manufacturers and everyone else in the industry. So those are the opportunities that are, are the probably the closest fruit we can pick. The long-term stuff is going to be, again, a lot of learning this year. But the resiliency of this group 
is incredible. Our team is determined to just get the door open after this event first and then bring people back into the resort, bring our loyal folks back, bring our employees back, recreate recreational opportunities and start to work with you know, the, what the new opportunities might be as we plan capital projects down the road and look for, for new um, ways to just grow ourselves personally and professionally. I think I have to give a lot of credit to our team for sticking through this. We've had some mini celebrations, but we haven't had the open, we're open celebration yet. That's going to happen soon. And um, I'm just really stoked the, uh, when I look in the eyes of the people that that are going to help us carry this place into the future. The growth they've had, our lift maintenance team got 10 years of experience in one summer. They did five you know, splices, brand new ropes. The, the splicer came and said, you know, John, I've done splices my whole life. Um, the last one we did in a day and a half, that's unheard of. It usually takes a week. You know, your crew is so tuned in and dialed in right now. And, and we know what we're doing and, that was you know that was born my heart because uh, the trust we built with the with our inspectors and the support that we have the future's wide open. I, I think of the Tom Petty song, you know, <laughs> the future is wide open. So it is a great wide open. The team at Sierra is moving forward. If you want to look back at where they've come from, listen to parts one and two of our special series on Sierra at Tahoe called Fire on the Mountain. Wherever you get podcasts. Check out more from this interview in the January issue of SAM Magazine and support this podcast by subscribing at www.saminfo.com slash subscribe. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Pod Sam advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Winter Mix podcast guy. Thank you for tuning in to Pod Sam.